0: Are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news.
1: I got a bad case loving you. Doctor,
0: doctor, 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 and doctor.
1: It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar.
0: I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. <laughs>
1: The doctor is in. All right, the doctor is in. And, and uh, you know, I was going into some medical questions with you, Dr. Batar, but uh, we just mentioned over the break that David Bowie passed away today, 18-month battle with cancer, maybe longer, who knows. And I half expected you not to know who David Bowie was because, as you know, you show up to the show here, you don't even read the stories we send you, but you, you, you dropped a, a little surprise on me saying you actually met David Bowie.
0: Yeah, I met him, God, it must have been probably 25, 30 years ago. Um, it was sometime, I think it was right after, it must have been while I was in medical school and I came back to, uh, I graduated from Washington University in St. Louis and um, he was there for, he came there for a performance or something, I can't remember exactly how I got set up, but he Either the some somebody in his family or somebody he was involved with had graduated from WashU, so he came there, and uh, I was back from med school, and and uh, he was there, and since I was part of the for my fraternity, I was part of the one of their you know um, what they call them, alumni supporters or whatever it was. Right, But so there was a there was a number of us. that got to meet him, and and I met him. I mean, it was just a handshake. I mean, sure, known
1: who I was. Oh, that's pr- yeah. Well, that's well, pretty wild. I mean, uh, Bowie's like said, legendary in the music world. Of the things he's uh, done in his life over our lifetime as well. Uh, so fascinating. Again, we don't know details about the whole cancer thing. He kept it very quiet. That's why everybody was shocked when they heard he died today. And uh, well, anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll delve into it if more details become available. Uh, but in terms of cancer. The cause of cancer. You know, you think you're doing great, you're not smoking, you're, you're not drinking, whatever you're doing, all the right things, or most of them, you think, and you're eating bread. Now, we've said problems with bread, of course, with gluten being soaked or the wheat being soaked in glyphosate. Even, you know, some of it's organic, it's still being soaked in glyphosate. But there's an additive that's been banned around the world, but not here, evidently, in the United States. It's still in food. Did you know about this thing, potassium bromate, Dr. Bitarre?
0: Yeah, um, many of the bromates, uh, they're basically the bromides, the bromates, they leach the body from iodine and uh, create other imbalances. I don't know if I would say that necessarily potassium bromate causes mm-hmm. cancer, but I think it leaches a body of essential components that then predisposes the body to cancer. I think that probably would be a more accurate statement, I think.
1: Well, in 1999, apparently uh, it was declared by the WHO a possible human carcinogen, and they, there's also evidence that it damages kidney function. Uh, is it one of the you know the halides when you think about bromide, bromine, bromate? I mean, obviously there are different forms here.
0: Yeah, I think it may fall into that category. But Robert, let, let's look at like something like sodium benzenite, or mm-hmm. sodium benzoic acid. Benzoate. And that has been shown. T- Sorry.
1: I see it on a lot of labels, sodium benzoate as a preservative to maintain freshness. Right.
0: Exactly. Sodium benzoate, the same thing as sodium benzoic acid. Um, And so apparently there have been some studies that have been done that show sodium benzoic acid or sodium benzoate as a carcinogen. And they basically say that when it's... um, when it's used in a Petri dish, when they do the tests on the Petri dish, in a Petri dish, they find, in other words, in uh, vitro, yes. they find it uh, when it's combined with vitamin C that it forms benzene, which is a highly carcinogenic compound. So they say that when you take anything like sodium benzoic acid and combine it with anything that has vitamin C, you are going to cause or create benzene and therefore, it should not be used as a preservative for uh, any type of fruits or anything that contains vitamin C. and And I've read this. Uh, I've read this research. However, if you look at cherries, cherries have vitamin C, and cherries naturally have sodium benzoic acid that's in there. And there's no benzene in cherries. So now the question is: Is that something that because it's in vivo versus in vitro, it makes a difference? Because we know that many times certain cascades that occur inside of a a test tube will not, that's not how it occurs in the body. For example Boyd Haley had talked about the use of EDTA that when you use EDTA with patients that have mercury you actually increase the toxicity of the mercury because in the studies that he did in test tubes they found that the use of EDTA actually potentiated the effects of mercury. However, in actual clinical practice that is absolutely not a true statement and i called him out on it at a conference and he defaulted to me and he said listen i'm not a clinician and i'm talking about things that occur inside of test tubes and so i defer to you as a clinician who does this in the live body and of course the live body is a dynamic process it's not a static test right. tube and so
1: well, i have to said, say to uh, dr Matar, to credit boyd haley or to his credit that he would acknowledge a distinction. You know, not that a real scientist wouldn't, but we see so much of science that's got its head up its aspirin and won't ever acknowledge a real-world scenario, uh, you know, an application seeing it play out differently than in a tube, as you said.
0: Yeah, and I think that Boyd probably would have taken on most people, but he's, he's a good friend. He's been a good friend for many years, and he also has sent me patients um, throughout the years that had mercury issues. So he trusts my judgment from a clinician's, Standpoint, and when I told him, I said, "Well, in, in I can't argue with what you see in a petri dish or in a test tube, but I can tell you that at, at that time, you know, maybe uh, it was about twelve hundred, maybe fifteen hundred patients that I treated uh, adults, and I said that I have used EDTA in many adults with mercury, and mercury uh, is it's still in their body because EDTA is not a is not the ideal chelator for mercury, but it has reduced the burden in the systems, and the, and they have." shown improvement. So they certainly have not worsened because of the use of EDTA um, because they had mercury on board. And so actually, if you look at the disassociation constants, EDTA does bind to mercury. It's just not very effective. Mm. So regardless, uh, you're right. That is to Boyd's uh, credit. So I'm just using that as an example to show that sometimes the process inside the body works differently than it does inside of a test tube or in a petri dish.
1: Well, it's an important distinction to make, I think. And uh, if we talk about potentiating mercury and other heavy metals, look at fluoride. I mean, you want to talk about guaranteeing the uptake or increasing uptake uh, of these metals from whatever source. That thing has just been a nightmare.
0: Yep, you're absolutely right. And see, here's another example. Ozone, we've talked about this before, I know, a number of years ago, but ozone is a detrimental substance ozone is highly oxidative uh ozone is o3 so the normal oxygen we breathe in is o2 and ozone uh in the o3 form is highly highly corrosive and and oxidative and so there's no place in the use of ozone in the body you would think which is which is an accurate statement you don't want to breathe it in you know it could be highly caustic etc etc but we use ozone by uh, infusing ozone in with the with blood, which basically allows, you know, even though we know that ozone is detrimental, it's the detrimental effect of the highly caustic, highly oxidative state of ozone that creates a cascade within the body that is extremely beneficial. So, what happens, and I don't know, Robert, if you have enough time for me to go into this, but I'll start and then you talk. Yeah, me yeah, we got
1: about three minutes. Yeah, go for it.
0: Okay. All right. So, basically, healthy cells, when given. Um, exposure to a highly oxidative substance have substances within them, within these healthy cells called catalase and peroxidase, which increase in response or increase in output in order to compensate this extreme high oxidative uh, injury state that they may be susceptible to because of this contact with a highly oxidative substance such as uh, ozone. But bacteria, viruses, spirochetes, mycoplasma, yeast, Um, abnormal cells, cancer cells they don't have that ability to increase the catalyst and peroxidase to compensate when put into an environment that's highly oxidative Mm -hmm. so when you infuse ozone which is detrimental into the body uh, let's say you mix it with blood what it does is it causes this phenomenal cascade almost like a fire in a tunnel if you can imagine a fire in a tunnel and it basically kills everything in its way every single thing in there that's abnormal, that cannot compensate, gets killed. Think of it as all the rats and bugs and everything inside the tunnels and the sewers gets cleaned out as this burst of fire comes through. But the red blood cells, the healthy red blood cells, they have the ability to increase catalyst and peroxidase, so they're kind of like the firemen that can pull over the fire retardant blanket over their heads and protect themselves as that wall of fire goes through. And after that wall of fire goes through, those red healthy blood cells, they're fine, but everything else is wiped out. And you actually see this when you draw blood in a patient, like a cancer patient, that blood could look like purplish, blackish, and you ozonate it, and it becomes bright red, and then you put that into the body, and it creates that same casket and continues. So that's an example, again, that in a Petri dish, or outside of the body, it's highly detrimental, but so one put into the ultimate designed, engineered um, system called the body, or phys- the physiological system, whether it's animal or human, it doesn't matter, Yes. then when you put... This into it, it creates a total different uh, effect, which many times is counterintuitive and, mm-hmm. and very beneficial.
1: I remember when I was lecturing up; we were all together at the uh, Healing Revolution Summit, Dr. King hosted in Nashville last year or two years ago now. And you know, one of the things I, I like to talk about was how the immune system itself uses oxidative stress against the so-called lower life forms. You know, that that oxidation is not all bad. Because, of course, we know why we go to a health food store and we take minerals and antioxidants, because we want to protect our healthy cells. But you can't protect, for instance, cancer cells by taking antioxidants, because the cancer cells seemingly, even though they're so-called immortal and they don't die, they don't have an antioxidant mechanism anymore functioning. Am I correct in saying that?
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah,
1: and, and, and so it was. it's wonder- a shocker when you learn that. Wait, I thought we're, antioxidant oxidation is bad. But no, our body cells are intelligent. They're not stupid. They know that they can use that against the, the threats that uh, are posed to it. So we can facilitate right. that through ozone. We've talked about silver facilitating that. So there are ways to go about it that in a petri dish you'd say, well, it could kill stuff, but in a living organism it would prote- be protected against that and only the lower life forms or the pathogens or the cancer cells would be harmed. All right, we're going to take a break. Already a fascinating discussion. Almost right out of the break, he met David Bowie. He did. Dr. Bittar, that was cool. But even cooler, our discussion of oxidative stress, ozone, and the other things that are in the breads that you don't want. More broadcast healing on Advanced Medicine Monday here with Dr. Batar After the break, links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show robert scott belson
0: making sense out of medical propaganda here's
1: robert if you ever miss the show archives are available through many different outlets and sources easiest place when you're listening to advanced medicine is go to medicalrewind.com uh... years now of, uh, of Dr. Batar and I doing our thing on radio together, which is great because we like plan ahead like two seconds before we were jo- joined on the air together, which is great. We were talking about that. It's so funny. I love what we did today already. Uh, RobertScottBell.com, we also have the links there. Our syndicator, GCN, carries the, the show, the first to carry the show almost immediately after each show. And then uh, TalkNetwork.com also has it. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast Through Epic Times, and of course, Across the Pond, UKHealthRadio.com as well. And they're, they're pretty fast now in catching up to it as well. Uh, so, Dr. Bittar, we were talking about, uh, I, I love the difference between in, in vitro, in vivo, the discussion where we're talking about how things work outside the body. And sometimes it's the same, but sometimes it's very different. And, you know, that's where we we're talking about oxidative stress, ozone being beneficial overall, even though you'd think in theory, man, ozone's going to just wipe everything out. But it actually stimulates some very positive and powerful responses from within the body.
0: It really does, and you know, there's a lot of. Um, and, and when you look at the cell metabolism and cell, um, the cellular reactions, there are so many incredible reactions that we know of. And of course, for probably everyone we know, is probably a hundred we don't know about. But you know, hydrogen peroxide mediates many different component, many different um, uh, reactions inside the body, from um, vascular cell adhesions. You look at the interleukin. 8, interleukin 2, in fact, interleukin 2 releases hydrogen peroxide in the body, which is a natural way of it to fight uh, infection. So, I mean, we even, our bodies even make a hydrogen peroxide. And and why are we talking about hydrogen peroxide? Because it's it's oxidative. In fact, uh, one of the things that the medical board, when they came after me in 2007 and 8, and that battle from 2007 to 2010, one of the things they wanted to do was they brought up the issue of me using hydrogen peroxide. Uh, despite the fact that nobody ever complained about it, they just wanted to, uh, from a you know, sensationalization standpoint, because the general public doesn't understand it, try to make it into this, you know, what is this crazy doctor doing using hydrogen peroxide in the body uh, intravenously? And one of the things that really was interesting is that when the hearing was taking place, the first hearing, that same month, it was November 2009, I believe it was. I have to go back and look at it exactly. But that same month, a study released from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill talked about the use of hydrogen peroxide in cancer, sensitizing the cancer to chemotherapy, increasing the sensitization of the cancer cells to chemotherapy by the use of hydrogen peroxide. And you know, so we know that hydrogen peroxide, not only does the body naturally make it, but it is it mediates so many different cascades within the body. And so I can't, I can't answer, or or I know the invariable question is should we start consuming or drinking hydrogen peroxide, and I certainly can't recommend that because, again, the use of these substances, it's like saying ozone is great inside what I'm talking about, you know, using it uh, in blood, but if you want to try to inhale ozone, you're going to cause yourself massive, massive problems with reactive airway exacerbations and possibly inducing asthma and, and, you know, potentially ruining your lungs for life if you try to breathe it in. It'll cause other things like cephalgia and all these other things. So it's the use of these substances in a way that enhances the body's natural mechanisms that we're using or that that we're talking about. Hydrogen peroxide, for example, when we use it uh, in the body, it naturally turns on, uh, it stimulates the immune system. It actually naturally turns on the immune system or almost irritates the immune system into going into a hyper-responsive state. So that's one of the benefits of using hydrogen peroxide. But again, the point being that there's so many things in the body that we Um, think are not good, but when used in the right conjunction, elicit a a very desired effect. And it goes back to, full circle, your original question about that particular component, uh, potassium bromide. bromide. Yes. Uh, I don't know whether it necessarily causes cancer, but I I do believe that it does have a significant effect in uh, depleting the body of essential components, um, and which then may end up leading to um, an imbalance that is highly... um, undesired to say the least
1: yeah exactly well this is uh, again the, the learning that is ongoing here and if you haven't learned uh from the nine steps to keep the doctor away then then you haven't gotten the book yet and that's uh, dr batar's international best-selling book we've got it linked up as well and you can check it out in the show notes at robertscottbell.com remember medicalrewind.com there's also lots of cool stuff including a private association you can join private club so to speak that you can access further information on things we can't tell you on the air. Uh, but we got lots more to say on the air when we come back, and some of it relates to the Obamacare targeting of who, who's, who are they going after next, and we'll, what, 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 what disaster will ensue inevitably. We'll talk about it after this. The Robert
0: Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: Notes are up thanks to op-ed, robertscottbell.com. Links are out. Check it out. Uh, before Dr. Vitar, I go into the Obamacare targeting which group next. I want to uh, catch you up to, uh, well, this is, a, this is really wild what they found in this uh, survey about the use of cannabis last hour. And it was so stunning, I think the FDA took us off the air for about three minutes. I mean, it was that stunning. <laughs> it was so big. Uh, basically, they're finding that people who are using cannabis are reporting that, well, 87% of them, 80 to 87% of them, are reporting that they're able to substitute that, the use of that plant uh, in place of things like opiate, pain-killing drugs, for one. Huh. Uh anti-seizure medications, illicit street drugs, and even legal alcohol. I mean, we're seeing stunning numbers that threaten, if we talk just specifically about prescription drugs, cannabis knocking out 80% of certain categories.
0: You know, what's really interesting there is that third category that you said, the illicit drugs. You're saying if people are finding that using medicinal marijuana, they're not, they don't want or they prefer that over the illicit drugs?
1: Yeah, here, here's the, the stats. They're a little lower than for the prescription drugs, which are stunning at 80% or up. But they said 52% said they substituted the use of cannabis for alcohol. So they dropped alcohol over half. And the illicit drugs was a 32% drop. In other words, people that used to use them now don't because cannabis it, it kind of took away their desire for that. You think about, I mean, how many drug treatment programs are that have a 32% success rate? I, I talk to people going into these things Detox centers they don't have 32% success.
0: They don't have 10% success because a lot of these people rebound and come right back. Exactly.
1: To, uh, but but yeah. what, what kind of threat does this plant pose to how many industries? And we didn't even name the other well, stuff that doesn't relate to ingestion. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think this goes back to show why it was demonized, you know, 100, 200 years ago. And Ty tells the story very well yes but uh it's it, it it makes sense because now when you look at the historical fact and why it has been made illegal for so long it was probably because those that were in power maintained ma- needed to maintain their um their uh, dominance in their industry like the paper mm-hmm. industry for example um but there's so many things uh you know everything from shampoos and soaps to to clothing that you can make from this, paper products. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It, really well, it, would, it would
1: single handedly wipe out the majority of psychiatric medicine as it's practiced today.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I was surprised to find out that the forefathers considered the marijuana plant to be a, a blessing from, the, from, from God.
1: Yeah, oh, for it was the a new, a,
0: uh, for the new colony.
1: As sacred a plan as you could have in a semi-secular society. I mean, absolutely incredible. Mandated for production early on and, of course, mandated during World War II as well. So, you know, it's interesting. Now, there's also an article. What was the number? Uh, Super Don, do you have that uh, article that Mike Adams just put out about the percentage of people on some form of welfare now? Was it 45%? Fifty I don't know. It was a ridiculous number. It just came out at Natural News. And I, I was going to relate that, if you can find that number, to this Obamacare enrollment initiative targeting Latinos. And I think the Latino community should really uh, be offended by being targeted by Obamacare because that dependency on a system of monopoly medicine, it, it's already devastating enough to the, 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 the African-American community to be on drugs. I mean, the hypertension, the high blood pressure, all of these things associated with the drug treatment. And there is no deficiency of drugs that causes high blood pressure, deficiency of minerals and fats and hydration, water, things like that. Nothing is addressed in Obamacare that would really correct the problems, for instance, of the Latino community.
0: Well, Einstein's definition of insanity was to expect uh, to get results to, in, in trying to determine a solution from the same mindset that created it. Einstein said yeah. you cannot expect this, the same mindset that created a problem to come up with a solution to that problem. And that's exactly what we're seeing over here. You, th- there's no way that you can take a concept as um, strange and convoluted as the Obamacare Act and see all the uh, components that they've put into place, knowing full well that it's actually completely opposite than what it's portraying. It's kind of like evidence-based medicine. Yeah. You know, double-blind, placebo-controlled crossover studies that they say are, are evidence-based medicine, but they have nothing to do with based on evidence. And this is the same type of thing. They talk about how it's there to help accessibility and it's not helping accessibility. It's de- decreasing accessibility. It's increasing the cost for the average person. And putting all that aside, all the stuff that it's paying for is the conventional stuff that is has already been shown that it doesn't work. It, yeah. It's not that People weren't getting enough of that before. and They're saying, oh, we need to make accessibility better so that people, more people can get it. Well, you make accessibility better to more poisons, then you're going to get more people getting poisoned.
1: Yeah, exactly. By the way, we have a new article from John Rappaport up, up today, The State of the Union Speech Obama Won't Give. And, it, it, you know, it goes into a lot of these things that you just, you can't imagine the design that went into Obamacare. It was designed to fail. Why? because you you further mandate the participation in a bankrupt system you bankrupt the people who participate in it and you make them more yep. dependent so that they can have more onerous mandates in, in you know basically invoked by fiat by executive order or the people then demand congress do something right don't just sit there and do something and every do something is is deepening the crisis and that's a part and of so the hegelian dialectic yeah
0: exactly and so for everybody else that's listening to what robert just said and what i just said and and you might be getting a little like, wait a second, what the hell are they trying to say? we are trying to say is that this is pushing us more into the slave state, yes. into the sheeple state. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. So and I and I f- we found the article, by the way, uh, Superdon found it uh, uh, up there at uh, National News. It said 45 million Americans now on food stamps. 45 million Americans. Now, what happens when China, with its renminbi, now in the basket of currencies... Uh, at the IMF and World Bank, and Russia looking to set, establish a currency that is not the fiat dollar, not the petrodollar, and at other nations, like we talked about. And by the way, in the Hillary Clinton emails, I don't know if you if you know this, Dr. Batar, the very thing we talked about that you also found out about was that Gaddafi wanted to go and institute a gold-backed currency in Africa. And that was in the emails to Hillary Clinton. They were warning about it preceding the uh, invasion, if you will, or the attack, the deposing, the killing of Gaddafi at the time. So we're getting more validation to the things that people said, y'all are crazy, you're making that up. No, we're not. And what happens to these 45 million people? You think you're doing them a favor by giving them welfare? What happens when the welfare checks dry up because the, the dollar can't buy anything? What have you done? You've led them to the slaughter.
0: The read them to desperation, and they're going to riot, and they're going to cause problems. for so those that aren't dependent on that system, And you're going to cause chaos, and you're going to cause disquivelment, and you're going to further the, the, you know, and there's, there's a thing that if you further the thought process that leads to entitlement, then more people are going to expect to be entitled, which leaves less people that are going to be in that position to be able to help those that, that need support and need help.
1: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, you,
0: you're, you're just creating a problem in a cascade. You're pouring fire on it. You're pouring gasoline on a fire, and you can only expect that fire to get worse when you throw gasoline on it. And that's exactly what's happening, and that's what's going to continue to happen.
1: Yes, it's facilitating the very zombie apocalypse people kind of joke about, because you make them dependent, then you withdraw what they're dependent upon, then they're very hungry and angry and desperate, and that's where humans uh, behave like animals. And it doesn't matter the color of the skin. That's not a racist construct. That's a hunger construct. And if yeah. you, bl- you bled them into dependence, as which Obamacare is another uh, uh, kind of attempt to do that, rely upon this system that is designed to collapse so that you will accept even more enslavement, with more crumbs that are usually devoid of real nutrition. And at that point, you've got a slave class, full-on slave class. And we're seeing more of that under the leftist tendencies to want to help people. They might be motivated by something good in their heart. They're just bleeding and they want to help. But the reality is you're not helping them this way. You're facilitating their demise.
0: And, and nature has shown this to be a very true uh, statement, what you just said, Robert, because nature does not tolerate something for nothing for very long. It is just not how the universe works. Uh, th- there are certain principles of uh, you know, gravity, go, what goes up must come down. And all, all these different basic Premises that we understand to be true, and this isn't just another one of those things, that nature does not tolerate something for nothing for very long. And if you look at the entire concept of um, the Medicaid and the, and the uh, supporting of those that don't have uh, enough to, you know, the, the Medicaid uh, component where we take care of people that aren't making enough money, when it was first implemented in the 1940s, only one out of five that were eligible would take it because people felt that it was... Um, it was an embarrassment. It was not something that they were willing to accept. Um, but over the last few generations, that's changed, and the number of people that are now expecting this has changed. Because what we've done is we're basically uh, feeding apathy and we're rewarding apathy. And and I've had people tell me that look, I would make more money um, just sitting at home than if I work. I've had staff members tell me that it's not fair that so and so that went to high school with me that. I'm working and they make more money sitting on the button who's paying for it I am and so that mindset you know in, when you look at it from a historical perspective it's just a very short little blip in the entire uh, lifespan of the human race on this planet and so how long is this experiment gonna last I don't think it's gonna last very long and you can look at history and see that these type of experiments have never mm-hmm. ended in a positive note they've always you, ended
1: in a negative you atrophy the muscles you know, since we talked about the chrysalis, the 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 caterpillar, if you if you break that chrysalis before it's ready, it can't fight its way out. It will die when it is escape when it escapes with your help. And this does not mean we're mean and cruel. Don't help people. No, voluntarily, people have a genuine handout, and you can help them privately, of your own accord, freely. And you're going to facilitate them to get on their feet again rather than have them dependent upon you. You can be sure of that because you don't have the unlimited resources to print your own money. And this is, again, another issue, too, with the Federal Reserve. I want to bring this up because Rand Paul's got another audit, the Fed bill, about to be voted on in the Senate. And good old socialist Bernie Sanders is not going to support it. He doesn't, you know, they're into regulation, but they don't want to regulate the biggest bank on planet Earth, the private Federal Reserve. How interesting is that? Elizabeth Warren doesn't want it. Democrat Nancy Pelosi won't do it. This, this, is the, this is the bogus, I want to help you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to help the little people, yet they watch the bankers continue to get bigger and more powerful because of the payback that happens. The other aspect is, of course, uh, our friend Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, she mentioned that they've got stuff on most of these senators that is so embarrassing that they'll do whatever the Fed wants them to do. Yeah, remember that. All right, folks, we got another segment to wrap up Advanced Medicine here with Dr. Rasha Bittar archives available at medicalrewind.com and many other places, including GCN, Talk Network, and more. Back after this.
0: The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: Rocking the health world
0: through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: All right, one of the stories we didn't cover, and I'm not going to cover. I'll just mention it. Government's continuing to pay damages for injuries and deaths due to flu shots in the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Court. That's a moment of dove. Of course they are. It's going to keep happening as long as people are stupid enough to get flu shots. Don't do it. <laughs> Tell Grandma, stop it before she gets into trouble. Okay, I'm just going to say that. Now, Hey,
0: Don, you need to you need to take what Robert just said and make that into one of those things in the, in the new uh, music for the Robert Scott Bell Show. What he just said. <laughs> As long as you keep on giving the flu shot, they're going to keep on getting it Because doing something stupid like that, you need to take that segment and incorporate it. It's excellent.
1: So you have orders oh. to make a new promo. Okay, all right. <laughs> getting me in trouble all the time. Now an Ebola thing. Trouble?
0: It. That's pointing out the
1: truth. It's important. It's poignant. You're right. It is poignant. Right. Uh, doc- Dr. Batar, you mentioned ozone. We had a great discussion opening up, unplanned. I loved where it went. The difference between in vitro, in vivo, in the body, the way things operate. There's a, a story here. We only have a few minutes, but uh, about e- Ebola treatments are failing. Failing! Of course, there are the allopathic treatments, the drug treatments, the vaccine treatments. Uh, of course, that brings to light some of the stuff we've already talked about today.
0: Yeah, actually, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Robert Rowan, went to, I believe, the Ivory Coast or some, somewhere.
1: I think he went Africa. to Senegal.
0: Oh, that's right. You went to Senegal. You're right. You're right. And, uh, you know, they did the. Ozone therapy with a lot of people there, and, and it helped a lot of people, and they saw a great results. But then they were actually told to leave. I think they were getting too. The results were too good, and um, of course, you know that when this all happened on the radio, we said I, I made the comment. I said it's not going to work. Whatever they're doing, it's not going to work. But ozone will kill anything. So if they're really worried, they should be using ozone. Right. I'm sure. Um, you know, we know that ozone worked. In fact. We know intuitively, we also know from a from basic science didactic standpoint it would work. And then further that, we have Dr. Uh, Rowan's results that he was able to show with some very end-stage mm-hmm. patients and how they responded to treatment.
1: So and I also know that, that there were uh, people, folks going over there that I know very well that were working with silver, having similar success. Also, we go back to previous episodes of Ebola outbreaks going back 10 years or more. Selenium supplementation was reversing it then. And none of this, none of this is mentioned in this article about what's not working. They're acknowledging all of their allopathic treatments from some of the biggest uh, pharmaceutical companies not working.
0: Yeah, and it's not surprising to to you or I, Robert. So it's not something that I I can't sit here and say I cannot believe that they didn't do that. It would be expected. It's almost predictable that they wouldn't talk about these things. Right. I didn't know about the selenium aspect. I knew about silver, but I didn't know about selenium. So.
1: Yeah, it was a you know it was a uh, acknowledgement of total soil depletion of selenium in those areas of Ebola outbreaks. Again, this goes back in some of the peer reviewed literature I remember reading all those years ago. They replenished selenium in the diets, and the Ebola fire went out. No, no fanfare. It was in there, but they kind of ignore it, pretend it didn't happen because it's not a drug. So there you go, more of the same.
0: Huh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Speaking of more of the same, uh, President Barack Obama would rather meet with a rapper than a congressman who wants to discuss things like uh, national security agency surveillance and maybe even sentencing reform for minorities. Justin Amash tweeted out a little challenge that uh, Obama would re- would meet with uh, this Kendrick Lamar, a rapper in the Oval Office, but he won't meet with-, with me to discuss civil liberties and surveillance issues despite repeated requests. Any surprise there?
0: None whatsoever. Anything that has the potential of helping, why would we do that when we can talk with rappers? Or, or not that talking with rappers is any problem. I would like to talk to rappers too myself, but that's, <laughs> not, to, that's not the role of uh, the commander in chief, right? So, again, you know, it's so hard to get animated and, and excited about things that are so predictable. I mean, you look at this is this is not the first time I've actually heard this. There was something a couple years back where somebody was trying to have a meeting with Obama about something important and. He ended up being on some show, some TV show or so. You know, is it surprising? No, it's not surprising. There's not, yeah. as, much, there's not as much limelight to talk about the real stuff as it is meeting with the rapper, you know. and the,
1: Well, we've the transitioned girl, to so. entertainment presidents. I mean, since Bill Clinton appeared on Arsenio Hall, it's taken a whole new turn and they'd rather hobnob with Hollywood celebrities than actually get together with other Congress critters and talk about some things that could change stuff for the better. Hey, Dr. Bittar, thank you for being with me each and every week to change stuff for the better, for real. For real. Thanks, Robert. Always a good time. Super Don, thank you. Thank you for all that you do to make it sound so good. You've got homework from uh, Dr. Bittar. I don't know when you'll be able to get to it, though. You'll be like my teenager. (laughs) Except you're actually busy. You're actually busy. All right, folks, that's it for this week, but we've got lots more healing to go. Dr. Batar, thank you. Remember, the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott. The Robert Scott Bell Show.